Hi, I'm Victoria Verdick. I'm Nintendo here at Crosspoint and at Hype. Today's scripture reading is from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. Let's hear God's word. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by the people, but chosen and honored by God, you yourselves as living stones, a spiritual house, are being built to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices and acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, See I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and honored cornerstone, and the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. So honor will come to you who believe, but for the unbelieving, the stone that the builders rejected, and this one has become the cornerstone, a stone to stumble over and a rock to trip over. They stumble because they disobey the word. They were destined for this. But you are a chosen race, a holy priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who has called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Victoria. If you have a Bible, uh, open it up to that, uh, that passage we'll be in this morning. Next Sunday, we jump back into 1 Corinthians. Uh, today, I want to look at a specific passage from 1 Peter that I believe will be an encouragement to us as we approach 20 years of ministry. So Redeemers at three and a half, give or take, we approach 20 years of ministry together as a church plant in August. So first of all, some brief context about 1 Peter. This letter was written to, to Christians who had been scattered throughout the region due to persecution. They were not simply mocked for their faith, but they were also facing physical threat, attack, and harm. And yet, even in the midst of the persecution, the church was growing. The gospel was advancing. People were coming to faith in Christ because the church is not a man-made organization. It's not a man-made creation. It's a supernatural one, empowered by the Spirit, shepherded by the Son, and loved and delighted over by the Father. And in chapter 2, verses 4 through 10, we'll see both the powerful reminder of who we are as a result of placing our faith in Jesus and following Him, and a reminder of not only our new identity in Him, but then what we've been called to and what we're here for as a result. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus yet as Lord and Savior, then today's verses serve as an invitation to surrender your life to Him today on January 1 of 2023, to align your life, to reorient your life not around yourself, but around Jesus Christ. As we get into the verses and think about the year ahead, I want us to ask two questions. Who are you and what are you here for? What are you here on earth for? I believe this passage from 1 Peter will speak to both of those questions. And in these verses, we're going to see that God is building something. Our God is a builder. For example, in Job 38, God is speaking to Job in verses 4 through 6. He says, where were you when, when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand who marked off its dimensions. Surely you know who stretched out or who stretched a measuring line across it. On what were its footings set or who laid its cornerstone? Our God is a builder. Our God is also a rebuilder. He is the one who can take the ruins of our lives and rebuild them. Bring about new 
I'm grateful. I can look back in my past and go, God has done remodeling and rebuilding in my life and Heather's life and our children's lives. And then these verses will be reminded that God is building and constructing and we as God's people are builders. We are a reflection of, of that God-given wiring to build and create. So who are we and what are we here for? In some ways, you could say, you could also say, what are we building? And who are we building on? So let's look at this passage in, four different, or in three different sections, verses 4 and 5, first of all. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by God, but chosen and honored by God, you yourselves, as living stones, a spiritual house, are being built to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. As you come to him, Peter writes, Jesus is the hymn, the living stone. The direction for a believer's life is to be toward Jesus, toward the things of God. We are continually coming to the Lord, talking to him in prayer, singing to him through song, giving to him with our money. We're hearing from him through his word, we come to him in the morning, in the evening, when we walk into work, when we walk into school as a way of life. When things are going great, when all hope seems lost, we draw near to Jesus in all that we do. Jesus is the living stone, reminding us that Jesus is alive, risen from the dead. He's no longer hanging on a cross or buried in a tomb, but he's alive. We serve a risen, reigning, and ruling king of kings. And so we come to him who is our living stone. He's not a theory. He's not a religious system. He is a risen king of kings. And so we come to him because we know that true life and satisfying joy is found in him and him alone. Notice that Peter reminds us of our natural state. A living stone, our natural state, is rejected by people that naturally on our own before we knew Jesus, we rejected him. Our sin nature is not inclined toward the things of God. And yet, for those of you who are Christ followers, when you began following Jesus, one of the first things that changed in your mind was that you were no longer going to reject him, but you were going to receive him, welcome him, receive him into your life, and as a result, reject your old, sinful, and self-centered ways of thinking and living. You were no longer going to resist, you were going to receive. And now Jesus is the living stone, and he is to be honored by us as believers. Just as Jesus is chosen and honored in the eyes of God, so he is with us. Honored meaning he's highly valued. He's precious. He's of great importance to us. Before I became a Christ follower, I would have not described Jesus as precious or highly valued. But when you give your life to him and surrender, things change, don't they? It becomes personal. I, I want to receive him. I, I want to come to him because he first came to me. He pursued me because he loved me while I was still sinning and wandering and straying. And then as a result, after reminding us of who Jesus is, Peter reminds us of who we are as a result. Verse 5, you yourselves as living stones a spiritual house are being built to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Who are you and what are you here for? Well, for those who are in Christ, Peter gives us some descriptions of who we are. 
just like Jesus, who is the living stone, so we are too like living stones. And God is taking his people and building us into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. In the Old Testament, the temple was the place where God dwelled. It was the house of God. But in the New Testament, following the death and resurrection of Jesus, under the new covenant of God's grace, Christ's followers are the temples of God. God has poured out His Holy Spirit and now dwells in us. As we've seen in 1 Corinthians last fall, we are now temples of the Spirit of God. The church is living, growing, expanding. The church is not a bunch of dead stones put together to, as a memorial of what has happened in the past. But the church is living stones being placed and put together by God Himself, the living God, the living craftsman. And we are being built and put together for His glory to accomplish His purposes. We are being built to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. When we hear the phrase spiritual sacrifices, we might be quick to think, oh, these are the things we do as people that make us acceptable to God. So this is when I serve in a ministry, give of my time, give of my money, gather with other believers, memorize scripture, practice spiritual disciplines. And while those are examples of spiritual sacrifices, they are not done in order to make us acceptable or to earn his love. This is why Peter includes at the end of verse 5, notice that, through Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is the one alone who makes us acceptable to, to the Father. We are saved by the grace of God, not by our own spiritual disciplines, not by our own works. We are saved solely because of what Jesus has, has done, his sufficient work on our behalf, and nothing to do with the resume of good works that we have built. Our salvation in Christ should lead to good works, but our good works never lead to salvation. Jesus is the only way to God. He's the only way to be alive forever. He is the only way to do anything acceptable to God. It's through Jesus Christ. So we are a royal priesthood. Not because we're awesome, but because our God is. Because God, through the sacrifice of His Son, has covered us in His righteousness. And so now, we turn in our sin-stained clothes. And now, by the grace of God, we are new creations in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. And as a result of being shown such amazing, transforming grace and unconditional love and unending mercy, we devote our lives to Jesus. We offer spiritual sacrifices to God as, as worship. Not to earn, but to respond in worship. Romans 12.1, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Who are we? Well, for those who are in Christ, we are people who are fully devoted to the God who has saved us. And so we offer our entire lives, not just a slice of our week or a slice of our lives, but the whole of our lives. We follow Jesus full time in every relationship, in every sphere of life. Now in the next few verses, Peter's going to quote some Old Testament scriptures. 
And remember, the Old Testament's continually pointing us forward to the New Testament. So as you read it this year, if you're on a Bible in a year plan, the Old Testament's pointing you forward to the promised Messiah. And Peter's writing here from a position in history where the Messiah, Jesus, has come. He's come, dwelt in the flesh, died upon a cross, rise, rose again on the third day, ascended to heaven. Verses 6 through 8. For it stands in Scripture, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and honored cornerstone, and the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. So honor will come to you who believe. But for the unbelieving, the stone that the builders rejected, this one has become the cornerstone and a stone to stumble over and a rock to trip over. They stumble because they disobey the word. They were destined for this. Jesus is the cornerstone. He is the capstone. The idea behind cornerstone is that when you're building, this is the stone that gets laid down first. The whole structure will be built off of this. The, the strength of the cornerstone determines the strength of the building. And the cornerstone in that day was not just the ceremonial engraved cornerstone that we see on large buildings that says, here's when it was built and here's who it was built by. The cornerstone is the one laid deep down under the earth that's never seen. The one that which the building rises above the surface and that determines whether or not you can, that determines the strength of the cornerstone and if it was laid correctly. As we begin 2023, is Jesus your cornerstone? The one who is not just a part of what you're building, but is at the core of your life, laid deep under the earth, the foundation of what you're building. If Jesus is our cornerstone, it changes who we are. It changes the visible. It changes what people see on the surface. It changes what, what we commit our lives to, what, we pe what people see us building. If we get the cornerstone wrong, we get it all wrong. We come to the end of our lives and we have built things, but they're simply temporary, earthly, but not eternal. Again, in verse 6, we see that Jesus, the cornerstone, is, cho is chosen and honored to those of us who are putting our faith and trust in Him. So, loved ones, even in the midst of persecution, difficulty, hardship, suffering, for those who are building their life on the cornerstone of Christ, we will not be put to shame and we will be shown honor by the Lord in the end. We are all building something with our lives. And one day, if given the opportunity, we will look back on our lives and reflect on what we have built. Today, God has shown us His grace and we're allowed to take, in a sense, a current stock of our lives to examine, okay, who am I? What am, what am I committing my life to build? When you're building a structure, you can pick and choose your materials. And in verse 7, we see that for some, they reject choosing Jesus as, as cornerstone. And some of you are there right now. And in place of Christ as the cornerstone, we choose to build our lives upon things such as our wealth, our effort, our hard work, our career, our kids, our status in the eyes of others our family heritage, or a host of other possibilities. But in verse 8, we're given this warning that if we reject Jesus, if we say, you know, I think I'm going to go with another material, I think I'm going to go with another cornerstone, that we will stumble eternally. 
We will live eternally separated from God Himself because we've rejected. We've rejected Him. At the end of verse, at the end of Matthew 7, Jesus tells a story, a difference between building on the rock and building on the sand. And one thing Jesus says in there is that you can determine what a person is building on by their obedience to the words of Jesus. Peter tells us in verse 8 that when we are characterized by disobeying the word or we have this attitude of dismissing the Lord and his word, that's giving evidence that Jesus is not our cornerstone. And we've chosen to build on the sand thinking that will last us in eternity or that will even sustain us here on this earth. The cornerstone matters. It matters today. It matters in the end. It matters today because we're told again and again in 1 Peter that we'll experience suffering and hardship. That as God's people, we will walk through trouble and yet with Jesus as the cornerstone of our lives, the building's still going to shake. The storm's still going to come. It may even feel like the storm won't end, but the building won't fall. It may shake. It may not fall, but it will not fall. Our lives are secure in Christ, and He is our living hope. We are secure in Him. There's assurance because it's by grace alone. Because Jesus is the living stone. He is the cornerstone. And for those who are Christ followers, we are like living stones being built up as a spiritual house. God is building a people, brothers and sisters. He's building a household, a, the family of God. We follow Jesus together. We, we're being formed together as a family. There's a story from ancient Greece in the city of Sparta. A Spartan king boasted to a visiting monarch about the walls of Sparta. And the visiting monarch looked around and could see no walls. And so he said to the Spartan king, where are these walls about which you boast so much? And so his host pointed at his, his bodyguard of magnificent troops. He said, these, these are the walls of Sparta, every man a brick. Well, much like the Spartan king said, so it is with the kingdom of God, even greater so. God is not building a structure, but a people. You and me, brothers and sisters, our triune God is building not just the universal family of God, but the local faith family here at Crosspoint, a people that, that will proclaim Jesus as our cornerstone. In the final two verses, Peter's going to again remind us of who we are and what we are here for. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You would not receive mercy, but now you have received mercy. See, some of you look back at your way of life before knowing Jesus or even after knowing him, or you look back at the last year and you're filled with shame. You're filled with regret. You're filled with condemnation, if you will. Listen, the only voice that brings that up in your life is the devil. The spiritual enemy. It's not your Father in heaven who delights over you. It's not the Son who sacrificed his life for you. It's not the Spirit who is empowering your life. So now, here's who you are. If you place your faith and trust in Jesus, you're following him as Lord, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, 
Notice how none of that is singular. It's plural in nature. You're part of a community, a family now. Together, we are living as aliens and strangers in this world because we're citizens of heaven. Does it feel more and more strange to live in this world sometimes? Praise God that it does. It reveals your true identity. This world shouldn't feel like home because this world's temporary. We are citizens of heaven sent on a mission here in this earth. Our identity is in the eternal one who has called us out and empowered us for mission for such a time as, as this, in this place, in the spheres of life that you are sent into on a weekly basis. We are chosen not because we worked our way into it, but because our God is gracious and merciful and set his love upon us, all the truth that we sang about early in the service, a God who pursued us in our wandering and strain. And so to know that we've been chosen by the Lord, it doesn't lead us to spiritual pride, but leads us to one place, humility, dependence. It causes me to worship, to be thankful, to want to live for His glory, and causes me to want to be a part of God's global mission to seek and save that which is lost. Because you and I don't know who will respond who won't respond, who will respond in the future and become a part of God's family. But it doesn't matter. Our job is not to pre-qualify people before showing and telling of the gospel. We are not mortgage agents. We are ambassadors for Christ. So we don't pre-qualify. We show and tell of the gospel. Our mission is to, is to do that. God does the work. We plant, we water. We are prayerfully active. But God causes the growth. And as a result, God will get the glory. This is who we are, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession. God takes believers as his own possession. So we are not held or tethered or kept by the Lord by our strength, but rather the strength of our Savior. We are his possession, never to be lost, never to be forsaken or forgotten or left alone. Who are you and what are you here for? See, our identity in Jesus leads to our, our activity with Jesus. Notice I say with Jesus, not for Jesus. It's with Jesus. Who I am leads to what we do and what we're here for. So what are we here for? Well, Peter writes, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are here to proclaim his praises, to sing to offer spiritual sacrifices, to serve, to give our lives away, to live for someone bigger. His name is Jesus. We live to make much of Him. We are given this new identity in Christ only because of His grace. Notice how all these verses keep elevating the God who did the work and is doing the work. We are chosen, royal, holy, and His own only because of Him. And so we spend the rest of our lives then declaring the praises, not of us, but of Him. We boast about how great our God is, not about how great we are. Verse 10 again, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Before God, we were isolated, lost, spiritual orphans in need of a home, in need of a father. We were not a people. We were not a family. We were not together, but God. But God has shown us. 
shown mercy and we've received mercy. We were once walking in darkness. Now we've been called out by God's grace. We've learned that light and life are found only in Jesus Christ. And we are now the light of the world. We are, we are lights to where we go on a weekly basis. We are here to tell the greatness of His glory and the goodness of His character and to show of His light and love. At one point, we are not a part of this household, but we've been brought near, gathered together. We're family, no longer isolated. Crosspoint, you and I together are being built into a spiritual house, and there are more yet to be reached. And we are called and commissioned and empowered and sent to go. We are being built into a spiritual house that is on mission toward one another and toward the unreached world. So Jesus, as we do that, Jesus is who, is who we hold up high, who we exalt, because we've been called to his purpose. And keep in mind, again, the context of this book, written to people who are walking through persecution and hardship and suffering. It's not easy. So even in the context of that, especially in the context of that, we proclaim, we declare, we live as the light of the world, as salt to this world. Crosspoint, I love what God is building here. The people that he's building and fitting together the living stones that he's, he's had here for 20 years or brought the past few years or just the past few weeks, it's a joy to offer spiritual sacrifices alongside you as we approach a generation, 20 years of ministry. May the next 20 years be about him as much as the first 20 were, if not more. Here's the next step I want to share with you that we're excited about on, as an elder team. On January 25th, the last Wednesday of the month, Pastor Dave, the other Pastor Dave, the one that's older, wiser, okay, he's going to be kicking off a new class called Living 3D Together. The class consists of eight training sessions starting end of January, finishing in April. I'd love to see as many cross-pointers there as possible, as many cross-pointers engaged in this training. I'd love to see you clear your schedule. If, you're, if you can only be there for four, five, six, please sign up. If you can be there for all eight, please sign up. The Lord is building and as we approach our 20-year anniversary, I believe this is a providential and really timely training and encouragement to help equip us, encourage us in how to live devoted to Jesus, dedicated to one another, driven to reach people together. What it looks like to follow Jesus in everyday life. What it looks like to be reminded of our identity and how that leads to our activity. So I encourage you to sign up. I encourage you to invite others to do that. You can sign up online. Bring your community group, bring your household. This is for sixth grade and up. Child care is offered. If you need that, please sign up so we know. But just encourage you to take that next step. Let's do that together as we approach 20 years. As we come together as living stones being built into a spiritual household to declare his praises. May we live this year in a growing awareness of who we are in Christ and what we're here for. And may God get all that glory. We're going to move into a time of communion here before we return to singing a, a fitting day here on January 1 to remember the Lord's sacrifice, to confess of our sin, to renew our 
love for him, to respond to him and what he's spoken to us through his living and active word. If you're a believer in and follower of Jesus, you're welcome to take communion with us alongside fellow living stones here in this spiritual house the Lord is building. Our First Impressions team members will be passing out the trays and after you get a, uh, a cup there, the wafers on the top, the juices on the bottom, we'll take those together as one unified body of Christ. But use this time as a new year begins to pray and pray to a father who delights over you, a son who has sacrificed his life for you and who is reigning and ruling and can be trusted in every facet of your life. The Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat the bread. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's drink the juice. Lord Jesus, thank you that by grace alone, we are a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for your possession. I pray that you would enable us through your Spirit's power to proclaim your praises, the praises of the one who has called us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. Once, Lord, we were not a people, but now we're your people. We are your possession, the sheep in your pasture, the branches attached to your vine, the living stones being built into a spiritual household. Thank you for extending to us lavish mercy. Thank you for the once but now stories, transforming stories in our lives. I pray that the lost will be found this year. I pray that steps of spiritual growth would take place, that we would listen to your spirit and we would respond. I pray that you would continue to unify us as a spiritual household as we live on mission to proclaim, to tell, to show, to reveal you to the world, starting with those closest to us be glorified, be the one that's exalted above all else in this place, in this body, in this family, and in our individual lives as we scatter on mission from this place. We depend upon you, Lord. We trust you. You're more, you're able to do more than we can ask for or imagine. May it be for your glory in the church and through all generations. We pray this in your name. Amen. So then, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the spirit. We depend upon him as we move into a new year. May God be glorified in our dependence, in our unity, in our willingness to do that together as the family of God.